Well, um, today I got, uh, <laughs> I was, the last service I was asking everybody, what are we talking about today? Because we've been talking about the big four and we went through them um, earlier in the service. I said, what are we doing today? Thinking no one would know that that's right there. So I, I'm not going to ask that question to you, but um, we've been talking about in this series of buy-in, we've been talking about what are the core values here at Bridgewood? What is God um, calling us to pour our energies in? And uh, can anyone tell me the, the first three? I mean, obviously discipleship, but what are the other three? Anybody? Community. Ah, there we go. What are the other two? Mission and prayer. Yes. And today we're closing with discipleship. And today is actually not really the closing of a series, but just um, an intermission until we get through Easter. And then we're going to open up and talk about these things throughout the summer in more detail and have more experience involved with this and, and really flesh out what these things look like. But when we talk about being a disciple and a discipleship, really what we're, we're, we're saying, um, a disciple is someone that follows Jesus, learns to be equipped in the name of Jesus, and equips others. So here's a, uh, a guide. This is our little flip chart we've been doing. Um, thank you to Jeannie Bielke for, Janie Bielke for doing this. And uh, apparently that's me, I guess, with my Argyle, yes, my iPad and my Bible. Um, she knows me pretty well, I guess. Um, before I ruin this here. And I guess now, because we got a new logo, I've got a brief. Oh, what do we. I don't know what's going on here. There we go. There we go. Okay. And so we're equipped, right? Here's the, here's the armor of God kind of thing. And this is the present day armor of God, you know, kind of thing. My wardrobe, I guess. And so um, when, we, when we talk about being a disciple, it's being equipped in the name of Jesus and going equipping others. Is that pretty fair to say? Well, today I don't want to talk about so much discipleship, um, what it means as far as task. Okay, because when we hear the word discipleship or being a disciple, does anyone think task? Because Jesus says go and make, right? So you're like, man, there's a lot of things that he's calling me to do within discipleship. Today we're going to talk about what does it mean to posture ourselves as a disciple so that we can go and disciple. And when we started the series, we talked about uh, the first thing that we have to do if we're going to do anything in the name of Jesus is we have to be observant to what he's doing. Jesus says, I only do what I see my what? Father doing, right? And so um, I want us to start from that place this morning. We only do what we see the Father doing. And I want to show you a clip, a share a clip with you that will help us stay in that. And uh, the clip's kind of long, so we're going to cut into the middle of it. And so I want to give you the context here. You have this four-year-old kid who wants cupcakes for dinner. Yeah. And he's a smooth talker for four years old. And some of you may have seen this, um, but this kid talks to his mom in the way in which he sees his own father converse with her. So what he does is he sees what his father is doing and tries to put it into practice. Okay, so you're not going to understand half of it, but pay attention to some of the language he uses that you can understand. Take a look. I'm li- you're not listening to me. Listen to me now. Listen to me now. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes 
and you try to get cupcakes and you try to ask grandma. Linda, Didn't you? Linda, lick it, lick it, lick it. If we do something right, I'll just if we get close to the candy and get them, they're gonna burn your butt. What's gonna burn your butt? You and Kevin don't listen, so I have to give both of you guys pop pals in your butt. But Linda, but grandma. But uh, Grandpa's gonna give me Peppa's in the butt. No, he's not. Yeah. I have to. You want? You don't want me to hit Kevin, or you don't want him to spank you? No. Why? Because anybody uh, wants to spank me. Then I have to spank Kevin. But he's, he's my little pop-ups. <laughs> he's your little pop-ups, but he doesn't listen. But Linda, honey, honey, look at, look at this. Right now, you can't do anything if we can't get everything out of the wall. And we're going to break everything down. I'm not breaking anything down. I'm just letting you know Linda, you cannot Linda, have cupcakes Linda, for Linda, dinner. Linda. <laughs> oh, man, right? Come to find out, the reason why I kept saying look it is the mom turned away to laugh. Every time. She could not keep it together. Linda, honey. <laughs> Watching his dad, taking, a, taking some notes from his dad. And you ask his dad, his, his own methods don't work. <laughs> right? So as, as we move into this morning, we want to pay attention to what the, what the Lord is doing in this place. We want to posture ourselves to say, God, what do you have to say to us? What do you want us to do about it? We want to do what we see him doing um, and interpret that correctly. Obviously, this sweet little kid, it didn't work for him, right? Um, and you come to find out that most of the stuff he heard from his dad is when they were arguing. And so um, his dad never won the argument. So it was doomed before it began. So we want to posture ourselves um, in a way in which we are doing what we see the Father doing, okay? And so, Jesus, his last words to us, his last words to his disciples, is this command, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. How many of you have heard this? A million times, Right? It's our Christianese slogan, isn't it? I mean, if you look on websites of churches and you see what is their vision statement, several of them, to go and make disciples. What does that mean? What does that mean for us here at Bridgewood Community Church? When we hear Jesus say to us, go and make disciples of all nations, where do we start? Well, first we have to understand, before you can go and disciple someone in the name of Jesus, you yourself have to be a what? A disciple. We have to be disciples, not churchgoers. Disciples. There's a difference. The majority, I would say, of churches in America, the people, the majority, not everyone, but a good portion of them are churchgoers and not disciples. And so we have, to, we have to understand that before we can go and do the Great Commission, we ourselves have to be disciples and committed to Jesus. So then, knowing that, what has to be our number one focus? That's right. 
It's simple. Jesus. We can get lost when we hear the word disciple in, in the tasks. We can get lost in doing stuff. But if you don't understand who you're doing it for or with, there is a problem. Right? I mean, if you try and go and make disciples in the name of Jesus but have no relationship with Jesus, and you're not focusing on what he's doing, how successful do you think we'll be? No. There's so many times I have walked into churches where I've not been focused on Jesus. My focus has not been on him. There are times where there's an opportunity for me, my actions, my words to speak into someone's life, and I'm not focused on Jesus, and I miss the moment. Because before we can even go anywhere, we have to be focused on him. When, when we talk about discipleship, we have to understand that prayer, mission, and community are all wrapped into that. You can't have one without the other. And Jesus is the focus of all those things. All of those things. We said prayer, right? Praying without ceasing. What does that mean? How did we define it here? Anyone remember? Being constantly conscious of his presence. So when I hear pray without ceasing, I get depressed. When I think about it in my, through my own interpretation, right? Because um, I, I had a mentor in my life and every morning, and this is great. I am not saying this is bad. This is amazing. But every morning he gets up at like four in the morning and he has a box of hundreds of prayers and he goes through each one and he prays for each one for hours. And I'm going, I can't do that. That's hard. And I was told that's praying without ceasing. And there are moments where we're to be on our knees praying to the Lord. There are moments where we've got to be so disciplined in our prayer life and this and that. But ultimately, Scripture says when we're praying without ceasing, it's being constantly conscious of his presence. And if we want to be disciples of Jesus and go and make disciples in the name of Jesus, we have to be in communion with him always, being constantly conscious of his presence. It's going to be really hard to go where he goes if you're not connected with him, right? And it's the same for mission. We go where God calls. But if you're not listening to his voice, if you're not in a, in a place where you're aligned with his presence, you're going to miss the call. Same with community. And we'll talk more about community in a minute. But if you're not, if you're not with them, you're not going to get through the inconvenience of relationship, that's for sure. Right? And as we focus on Jesus, we have to remember something. We're invited. He invites us into his presence. Now, this is a challenging one because, you know, when I think discipleship, it's us inviting others to be in his presence. But some of us haven't fully accepted his invitation. He's got part of us, but not all of us. Right? How do you go to, like, when you get invited to a party, you know, you don't just go to part of it. You go to it, right? And I don't mean you, you know, stay there a short amount of time or this and that. But I mean, like, you either go or you don't go, right? So we have to receive the invitation. We have to say yes to Jesus. And here's the thing. 
what the invitation is not just about receiving his salvation. It's not just about receiving forgiveness. It's about seeing yourself through his eyes. Because then you understand why he, why the cross, why the empty tomb. Because when you begin to see yourself through his eyes, it changes everything. Now, I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable throughout the entire time this morning. And so I want to ask this question. Have any of you struggled with what you see in the mirror? I have. When you think of the things you've done in the past, and you think of the person you are today, and you may not like who you are today, it's really hard to see yourself through the eyes of Jesus. But how? How? Are you going to invite others into a relationship with Jesus so that they can see themselves through his eyes if you don't? And how are you going to see the people who are hurting through the eyes of Jesus if you can't even see yourself through the eyes of Jesus? So the invitation is one that brings us into alignment with what he sees. Because your very first name from the beginning of time is Beloved. We have, some of us have a hard time receiving and accepting that name. Some of us have a real challenge accepting the invitation. But if we don't accept the invitation to see ourselves through his eyes, to fully receive all he has for us, we're going to have a hard time communicating that to someone else and living that out to someone else. Because you can preach at people, but they don't they want to hear about it. They want to see it. They want you to show them. They want to look at your life and see a life that sees themselves through God's eyes so that they know that there's hope for them. People want hope. And we have to accept God's invitation to be in his presence so that we can see what he sees. That's the invitation. And we see, we see when Jesus... Uh, you know, tells them to go and make disciples. Here we have guys that have accepted the invitation, but it's been a challenge, right? You have a bunch of guys that were with Jesus for a couple of years, and they had some hard falls, and they had some great successes, and it was a journey. It was a journey to fully receive the invitation, and they were with Jesus every day. Now, people today think, well, the disciples had it easier. They can, they can move in that kind of faith because Jesus was there in the flesh. Well, if that's true, Peter wouldn't have done some of the stupid stuff he did. He was right there. Jesus was right there. And he still had trouble believing in moments. So we can't use that excuse anymore. Okay? <laughs> Agreed? It doesn't matter how close we are to him sometimes. We make mistakes whether he's here in the flesh or not. But they get to a point where they, they live out of that invitation, and this is where Jesus brings the challenge. He invites them in. They accept the invitation. Now will they accept the challenge? Well, the challenge of what to do what? Well, he says, go and make, right? So it sounds like more of a to-do list. 
you know, it's, are, are they going to accept all the challenges that come their way? But there's a first one that they have to do. Now that they've accepted them, Jesus fully and going, okay, Lord, here I am. Well, now they, will they accept the call to just go? Now, I'm going to be real here. Historically, the church has had a hard time with that. You don't hear God's voice in America as clearly as we would hope, do you? I mean, the culture around us is kind of crumbling as far as you see immorality all over the place. You, you don't see Jesus the way you'd want to see Jesus because the, we stop at the call. We, we oftentimes stop at the challenge to say, okay, Jesus, I've accepted your invitation to be in your presence. Now I accept the challenge to live in your presence. See, the world doesn't have a problem with Jesus. They have a problem with God's people. They love Jesus. They just don't love the representations of Jesus because we've stopped somewhere along the way. We think it's all about the task or it's all about showing up for church, and those are good things. But if you are separated from the vine, you're done. We will not be the image of of God that he's called us to be. We just won't. It will not happen. So we have to accept the invitation, and then we have to accept the challenge, and that means we have to trust him. If you don't trust him, then you've not really received or accepted his invitation. We have to trust him, and we have to learn to trust one another, which leads us to this. We have to be intentional. And it's a hard one. And what do I mean by intentional? Well, Mark did a great message on community. And the one thing I take from that, if you could take one thing, one thing that speaks truth to you from a message, that's a gold mine, just to let you know. I mean, that's amazing, right? One truth is amazing. And, and there were several in there, but the one that spoke to me the most was that relationship is inconvenient. Boy, is it ever. I will be the first to tell you I have a list of people I think are more annoying than anything. Right? I tell <laughs> I'm, I'm being vulnerable with you right now. I tell yeah, be careful, yeah. I trust you. Um, but, I, you know, there's some, sometimes people come up to you and you're just like, that is a stupid person. They just said something that was really dumb. And those kind of people drive me crazy. And when I see them, Wherever I am, and I usually run into them in a supermarket or something, if I see them far away, I will go all the way around. If they're on my aisle, I'll go on a different aisle. I'll go all the way around, and I'll wait it out until they leave. That's not very good, is it? That's not accepting the invitation of Christ and accepting the challenge, and it's definitely not being intentional about moving through the inconvenience. And I had a hard time, and the the toughest thing, on a serious note, the toughest thing, especially for me in pastoral ministry, is that when you are called to minister to someone, that their past or what they've done infuriates you. And you're standing with them face to face, and God's saying to you, it is time to see that person through my eyes and not your own. That's really inconvenient. And being intentional is the last thing I want to do. I want to be intentional about finding the exit. Getting out of there. Because it means now that I'm going to have to stretch. 
It means now I'm going to have to receive that invitation in areas of my life I haven't yet. And it feels uncomfortable and it feels inconvenient. But I'll tell you what, every single time I've been in one of those moments and every, t- every single time I've been intentional to stay there, just to stay there. I say, God, I will stay here. I don't know what you want to say, but I'll stay here. God has given me the grace to minister. Because I said yes, and I was intentional about being available. That's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to change a culture where we put on this face. And I got to tell you, I'm going to confess to you right now. I'm going to use strong language here. I hate and I loathe the Christianese, everything's okay smile. God bless you this morning. My life is terrible, but God bless you. Welcome. I hate your guts. I wish you were never here. Right? Have you seen people like that? I mean, I've even done that. Oh, it's so good to see you. Not. I hate it more than anything because we're meant to be authentic. That's a really hard thing to do. It's hard to be authentic because you you got to trust Jesus and you have to be vulnerable. And being authentic is so inconvenient and it is so draining. It's it's one of the most challenging things to do. People that don't know Jesus want to see authentic Christians. I don't want to come in here and walk through those doors and go, hey, how's it going? Everything's okay with me. I don't struggle with anything. For some reason, we think when we walk through those doors in the community with one another, we have to put on our Sunday best and go, everything's fine. I don't want to do that. I want to come in here with you and trust you enough to say, here are my wounds. Here are the things that I struggle with. Here's where I don't accept the invitation to be in God's presence because I don't know how. If the church is not for those things, then what are we about? If we're not ready to buy in with Jesus in such a way that we can learn to be authentic with one another so that we can receive healing instead of push it away because we're afraid to get judged, it's shameful. That's not Jesus. That's not what he wants for his church. Authenticity is so important. I mean... Is it, I mean, you come away from a conversation, you go, that person's kind of fake. Right? Well, we're hypocrites because we do the same thing all the time. We really do. You don't like it. I don't like it. So let's stop and start trusting the Lord and let them see us. And that's a hard thing. And um, a couple weeks ago, I had mentioned this. Excuse me. I've got sexual abuse in my history. And um, I thought I dealt with it. And so um, Diane and, and, and um, um, I'm, I'm just blanking. Janet, thank you. Diane and Janet, I do know her name normally, <laughs> um, inv- invited me to come in for soul care. And I was doing it as a courtesy because I've done inner healing stuff. I'm like, I'm good to go. I know my stuff. I know my junk. I've dealt with it. 
I'm walking around like this, you know, I, I got it down. I walked in like that. I walked out like this. I mean, Mark had to hold me up. True story. He's like, you need a hug. See, it's true. Because I realized that I was afraid to go in the places of my life and be authentic with him first and say, Lord, this still hurts. Lord, there's a wound here still. And I didn't know how to deal with it. And the Lord led me to a place where he said, be honest, be authentic with it, and you'll receive healing. And I'll tell you what, I've been living in freedom for three weeks that I haven't experienced in a really long time just because of authenticity. And it starts with him first. God knows all your stuff. But as he invites you in, he wants you to invite him. He's not going to push himself on you. And so he wants you to invite him in into those places. And it's only then when we're authentic with him, we can be authentic with one another. If you can't be authentic with the God that loves you more than anything, he created you to have specifically to have relationship with him first before anyone else, we're in trouble. Authenticity is so, so vital if we want to be a discipleship culture. Because people want to see authentic disciples of Christ. Well, that's a tall order, isn't it? (laughs) How do we do all that? Well, Jesus knows that it's a tall order. He walked with his boys. He knows. He was right there with them and watched them fall and watched them get back up again. He knows. And so he says this. He says, be calm. I'm with you all the time. He didn't really say it that way, but I thought it was cool. Keep calm. The Lord God will be with you always. That's what... His last words are to them. I know this is a tall order. I know this is going to stretch you. I know it's going to be challenging. I know I'm asking the world of you, but guess what? I am with you always. Remember, he doesn't need you to do stuff for him. He wants you to be with him and do things with him. There will be times we'll do things for him and with him. It's weird how that works, but it's true. But he wants to be with us. He didn't create you and me so you just do this and do that and do this and do that. He wants you to be in his presence. He wants to be in your presence. And he wants to do this stuff with us. That's why he says, I'll be with you always. Even, I mean, to the very end of the age. And he says it through the the Old Testament. He says it through the New Testament. He says to Joshua, when Joshua's Going into the promised land, he says to him, do not be afraid for I am what? With you. He says that consistently through scripture because it's our tendency to think we got to do it by ourselves. It's our tendency to think that we have to lean on everyone else instead of him. There are no lone ranger Christians. We're called to be in fellowship with one another. I've tried doing it on my own. It's a lonely place. I've tried putting people at arm's length to protect myself. It's a lonely place. And that's not how we started discipleship culture in this place. We have to accept the invitation, focus on him first, accept the invitation, accept the call, be intentional 
and be authentic. Can you imagine? Can you just, I love dreaming, okay? So just imagine with me that God develops us into a culture, into a church family that is not afraid to engage conflict, that's not afraid to walk through the hard times with each other, that is not afraid to celebrate with one another, and is certainly not afraid to be authentic and intentional with each other and go on mission with each other. Can you imagine? We're totally different. We'd be doing things totally different around here. I don't even know what that would look like because I haven't seen it personally. Some of you may have. I want to see that. And so we're going to spend the summer digging into this stuff, and I'm really excited about it. And let me ask real quick, how, if you'd be so bold, how many of you are really scared of being authentic? It's okay. I, I still scares me. Okay. You know, it was interesting because what the very first time I preached, it was I was 18 years old, and a couple of buddies of mine started a church plant on our college campus, and I was thought there'd be 12 people, and so I sat in the front row and I wouldn't even look back because I couldn't deal with the rejection of 12 people of a campus of you know whatever, and my heart was in the right place. And so I got up and I turned around and the entire room was full. People were sitting in the aisles and, and I almost threw up because I wasn't prepared for it. But I, was, I wasn't prepared for that kind of uh, a group of people, but I had my three-point sermon. You know, I have all these pastors in my family and I learned it. And I was like, right there, ready to go. And I get up there and the Lord says, throw it away. Oh, and I panicked. Because there's nothing worse when you're preaching than silence sometimes. Because you feel you always got to fill it. And that's when you say dumb stuff. And I'm sitting there. They're all ready for me. And I'm looking down. And the Lord just has me like this. And I, just, I had already prayed. Let's pray for a minute. So I prayed again to buy some time. And then I'm like, amen. Nothing came to me. And I heard this. If you're going to do, if you're going to do this, if we're going to do this, you're going to be, you're going to confess every time. You're going to be authentic every time. And I panicked. Because I was carrying some deep wounds as most of us do. But I tried to honor that. And every time, not make it a, you know, woe is me, but say, hey, here's my wounds. You have them too. Let's see what Jesus does with us as we engage him in those wounds. And so I've tried every time I come up to be authentic, and it is scary, and it is uncomfortable, and it is totally inconvenient. Totally. I heard one pastor say the best preachers will never, ever talk about themselves. I heard that over and over. The best pastors, the best leaders won't talk about their stuff. They'll focus on the people. But if you don't show them that you yourself deal with that stuff, they're not going to trust you. It's just an image they can't live up to. So when God calls you to go out to people, 
You have to be authentic. So it gives them permission to be authentic with you. Because if you don't, they're not going to trust you. And then it's like, I've got to do this to achieve this rather than I have to be in his presence and watch him transform me. It's a totally different thing. Totally. He wants us to see ourselves through his eyes. When you do that, you can be authentic. Because you know you're redeemed. You can trust him. And it takes time. We're going to flesh this out. It's not like, you know, now go do it. We're going to practice it. And life will give you opportunity to practice it. That's inconvenient too. It is not a fun process, but it is a freeing one. And don't we want hope? Don't we want freedom from the wounds we carry? Don't we want freedom from the fear, the numbness? God has a great present and future for Bridgewood Community Church. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again, and I'll say it again, and I'll say it again. He's got a great future for us. But we have to do what we see him doing. We have to focus on him. We have to abide in him. We have to stay close to him, and we have to do that with each other and be authentic with him and authentic with each other, intentional with him, intentional with one another, and accept the invitation and accept the challenge. Because if we don't, we're not going to get to where God wants us to be. It'll just be rearranging the furniture. And I'm, I'm sick and tired of looking at the same furniture all the time. <laughs> Anyone there with me? When you rearrange it, it looks nice for like 10 minutes. And you rearrange it again, and then you're like, I'm just tired of this. <laughs> it's just going to stay where it is. God wants to remove that and put in some new stuff. And we got to let him do it. Pray with me, please. Lord, we thank you that you never leave us and you never forsake us. We thank you that the things you call us to are things that you are doing with us. And I just pray in Jesus' name that we would learn to do them with you and with each other. And I pray, God, that those of us that have these deep wounds, that we would begin to let you in, that we would give you access to those places, that we would receive the invitation to be in your presence and extend the invitation for you to come into our lives in such a way that you bring healing to those places. Some of us here are sitting with so many deep, deep wounds, and we are so afraid. We're afraid. We don't know what to do with them. But you want to take them from us. You want to bring healing. And so we've got to receive you, Lord. So I pray against shame in Jesus' name. I pray against guilt in Jesus' name. I pray against the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. The spirit of insecurity and inadequacy. I pray against those things in Jesus' name. And ask that you would bless us with your hope with your healing, with your love and your grace so that we can see ourselves through your eyes and not our own and not the people around us, but through yours. And begin to see the people around us through your eyes so that they may know what we know, that we are your beloved, that you delight in us, that you want to be with us. Lord, I don't want to be a churchgoer. I want to be a disciple. I want to be a participant with you. 
I want to partner with you in such a way that this world is transformed. That the kingdom expands here in ways we never thought possible. We here at Bridgewood, Lord, we're your people and we want to partner with you. So may we trust you. May we take that step. Each step, say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I trust you. And may we be so courageous to be authentic with you and authentic with one another so that we can receive freedom. Stand up, follow me. 